0: Welcome to episode 136 of the Waiting Since Last Saturday podcast. This is Tony Waller, and again, I am not joined by my co-host, Scott Duvall, or Will Leach. Instead, I am joined by Bill Connolly, none other than the proprietor of the s Plus metric system. Bill's a, a noted author. He just last year released a book called um, uh, 50 Greatest College Football Team, where he features the, of all time, where he featured the 1980 Georgia Bulldogs, also, he is uh, post prolifically at Football Study Hall and on SB Nation's main college football page. You can follow Bill at SBN underscore Bill C. That's on Twitter. You can read his work at other places. He's also a co-host of the PAPN podcast. If you have time in your life for another college football podcast, let me highly recommend this. It's he and Stephen Godfrey and is fantastic. I really appreciate Bill taking the time to join me today and on to the interview. All right, uh, this is Tony from Waiting Since Last Saturday podcast, and I am extremely honored that Bill Connolly, Football Study Hall, Rock M Nation, SB Nation, main college football um, uh, page, is taking the time to join me. Bill, thank you very much. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Um, I will not call you the proprietor of the S P Plus, but I am going to start there. Um, You know, one of the things when I reached out to you, I wanted to talk about is we try really hard not to be the Pavlovian. Let's get into rankings because we just—I don't know. I just don't. I don't know. It's not my thing. I I mean, it's it's fun water cooler talk, but it's just not that, that space is pretty taken. But one of the things I like to think is our listeners are are pretty savvy and I am personally a huge fan of S and P plus and have been since you came out with it. Can you just kind of introduce the S and P plus to, to the average football fan and kind of the origin story of it?
1: Well, the origin story is pretty easy. Like I, I had started a Missouri blog back in 2007 and, um, was looking for things to talk about and, and in the off season, I like baseball stats. And, and so I was like, well, all right, well, let's, let's see what exists for college football in, in terms of advanced stats or blah, 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 blah. And, and the answer was nothing. I mean, Brian Fermo had just started FEI, his, his Fremo efficiency ratings at, at outsiders, but those were drive level stats. And I was envisioning, you know, what, what exists at the play by play level. And so when it didn't exist, I just kind of set about trying to create it. And so, you know, I took uh, my version of, of the success rate figure that Aaron Schatz at Football Outsiders use quite a bit on the pro side. I used it. I took it way further than he. I think he just basically had it as like a rushing stat or a line stat. And I basically set it up for everything. And I take it with different ways of, of figuring out explosiveness, uh, too. So I basically ended up with kind of an OPS for football uh, on base percentage plus slugging. And, and that's where it started. It's morphed. It's gotten more complicated and taken in more factors. It, it weighs uh, red zone or scoring opportunities, uh, execution at a different weight than the rest. And it, it, it brings in field position factors and all these other things. But at the, at the heart of it, it's basically an attempt to look at, at efficiency broken down by uh, or, or adjusted for opponent and tempo and you know that's it does you know pretty well I, I put out the predictions each week so i can justify using it in my writing and it, it does pretty well in that regard but really it's it was meant to be kind of a compliment to my writing and, and give me some interesting things to write about or or at least kind of make me feel better about my own impressions if the stats disagree then i need to look into something further if the stats are in my eyeballs agree then i feel pretty good about it and it kind of goes from there
0: so how should the average sports fan use it i mean What's it mean?
1: Well, I think, you know... It is pretty good at the predictions thing uh, that I figured that was a prerequisite I don't care as much about the picks as as, as others might I don't gamble but uh, it has to be good at picks to be useful so I mean when you see the rankings you, you can you know rest assured that the the order that the, the teams are in you know using that order to make a bunch of predictions you're, you're gonna do pretty well so you kind of have that in your back pocket but then it's it's kind of set up to where you know you can take it as far as you want to take it if you just want to use it for predictions or, or justification that like my team is better than your team. You can do that, but if you want to get into a lot of the nitty-gritty about like standard downs and passing downs, where, where teams are good and where teams are bad, and all that, like it, I, you you can find a lot of that stuff. Not all of it's S and P Plus. A lot of it's just other things I've come
0: up with. But uh, you can go pretty far with it if you really want to. I, I love S and P Plus because because of that very thing. It provides a as close as you can get for. Uh, a sport that does not Actually allow I guess one for one comparisons Because you don't have It's not like a 32 team league We're going to talk about Your pod idea in a few minutes But it's not across a 32 team league right There's 120 Or how many ever there are now uh, 127, 8, 9 teams 30, 130. 130. Good lord. 130 teams. And I mean, you can play the transitive game all the way down to New Mexico beating Alabama if you want to. Well, maybe not New Mexico, but um, Idaho beating Alabama. Um, so, how does it make us smarter fans or consumers of sports?
1: Well, it does. I mean, so much of, of a college football argument has to do with the, yeah, but they they ain't played nobody, right? Like, <laughs> they haven't. Uh, their schedule is so weak that's why their stats are good and all these things. And this gets at least it, at least kind of takes us further down the road. Obviously, schedule adjustments are always going to be the hard part about college football ratings in general, just because it, it is so like I, I, I I constantly am trying to figure out ways to make mine better. And I think I have a new revamp to hopefully I can get pushed out before the season starts. But, um, you know, that's always going to be an issue, but you can at least go further down that road. If you've got an opponent adjustment adjusted system to look at. Uh, and then, you know, as we've found, uh, this off, this incredibly quiet offseason, we can argue uh, we can go take some pretty silly arguments a long way when talking about the different tempos uh, and whatnot of a given conference or, or compared to other conferences, and so um, this helps in that regard too.
0: Yeah, and it's interesting you brought that up because I. Um as I mentioned, as we we're talking about doing this, I'd, I had some communication with, uh, Mike Markstein, who does uh, get the picture of the Senator Blutarski. And, you know, I think I know what you're approaching because frankly, it's exactly the same approach I'd been thinking. Cause I, I listened, I actually listened to PAPN this morning, but you know, the whole conversation that he, Alan Kinney and M Boyd are having, like, what's your take on that?
1: <laughs> I mean, I, well, I mean, as I put, uh, as I, we repeated a lot on PAPM, my, my major take is we need something better to argue about, um, <laughs> because it really is like in it, we, in the absence of anything real, we'll just, you know, we'll chew on whatever we can find. And this was something, but wow. uh, it was a big, it was a fatty piece of meat. It's not a very good piece of meat, but when you don't have anything else, then you, that's what you're going to use. So, um, at its heart, I think that was the big issue. If there were bigger things, if there's converts realignment to talk about or something like that, we'd be talking about that instead, but there's no nothing. This has been the quietest off season. I don't want to, I don't want to complain because it's better, you know, it's better than like, sometimes the the non quiet off seasons are full of topics you don't really want to talk about, but you have to. And, and so like, I don't mind in that regard, but there's no question. This is just a product of, of not having anything better to argue about, but at its heart, I mean, Lincoln Riley basically said two things. And one of them we can argue about. The other just is math. Uh, he did, you know, uh, with a lot of the things he said, he did try to make the point that the big 12 offenses are really good and they are, and you know, there's just a different, the balance of offensive talent to defensive talent is it skews to the offensive side of the ball in the big 12. I don't think there's any arguing that Uh, just uh, on average, but I think that at the heart of the comment was, you know, him saying, you know, they wouldn't have a top five uh, defense if they were in the big 12. Well, of course they wouldn't because they would be facing more plays and more drives. Therefore they would give up more points and more yards. The end, you know, that's there, there are teams more teams in the big 12 that are willing to sacrifice their defense or put their defense into awkward positions in the name of, of, of points and tempo and all that. Uh, and they're going to generate more possessions and more plays. And when you have more possessions and more plays, you give up more yards. So that was just at his heart, I think it was a simple math thing. I, I very much come closest to Allen's Kenny's argument in this three way conversation. Ian's kind of lost me a little bit, to be honest. I, 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 I think he kind of tried to take it a little too far, but the bottom line is uh, even if you disagree with the quality argument, which it's hard to, I mean, Big 12 has some really good offense offenses and to a degree it's at the expense of defense. Uh, it's just a stylistic choice, but um, just the simple fact that, you know, if you're to have more plays, you're going to have more yards and that's kind of the end of the, the conversation to me.
0: Yeah. You know, it's interesting. I think the way you said it was best and I'm, I'm trying not to be again, not the Pavlovian sports fan, but I think the philosophy on how you win a football game across the conference in the big 12 and you take out Kansas state, in whatever it is, Kansas does. Um, even even teams are are good on defense, like TCU or Iowa State or Texas. But you can take them out of the offensive mm-hmm. side. The philosophy is it's like we want to get our offense on the on the field, and we want to score as many points as possible because we feel like that's our best option for winning a football game. And it's right. not. And it's not that the SEC is the. We're going to pound you and make you earn every yard, and if we win 17-14, we're okay with that. But there is more focus talent-wise on the defensive side of the ball than there would be, particularly in the Big 12, um, which is, I think, the point you were making on PAPN this morning. Um, To me, the the two big takeaways are, one, it's okay to defend your conference, and two, never go on Danny Cannell's show. Um. So I mean, yeah. I mean,
1: that, this all could have been avoided had he just gone. Oh no, I don't think I'm
0: going to do that. Yeah. But, but I get it. It's off season. Um. And I did find it funny the whole time I was listening to Godfrey rant about the off season how quiet it was. I'm like, dude, don't don't talk about a no hitter. You know, next thing you know, we're going to yeah, BYU is going to be in the big. 10 or something i don't know um it's just you're just Very begging much. it's just begging for it yeah they do wish uh you are just they are just begging for it so um so switching gears a little bit um i am fascinated by your i guess fascination with uh Bayern munich um <laughs> I, I, I love the pieces now don't don't get me wrong about this i i like epl I, i'm not a bundesliga fan um and the reason the reason i ask about this is um so so Matthew Leach who is a who lives here in Athens is a friend of mine and he is a huge Bayern Munich fan he was over we watched the Atlanta United match a couple of nights ago or Saturday night whatever it was and he was I was excited that Germany was out of the World Cup and he was very very not happy about it um and I'm I'm interested because I know you went to Munich and and wrote a piece on their kind of their methodology where's that fascination from
1: Part of it is I just I've always liked Germany. I've been a couple I've been a couple times growing up on like school trips or whatever, and so there was always that aspect of it. But also when you watch Bundesliga, just German soccer, it's just a more fun game than, um, than English. Soccer. We were just talking about like trade-offs between offense and defense and preferred styles and all that. And, and uh, German soccer, like Bundesliga is a more direct league. I mean, they're going to counter attack. They're going to counter your counter. They're going to get up and down the field. It doesn't seem like there's really any time they spend in, in the midfield range. They're either one in or the other constantly. And it's just a lot of fun. And so if you, consider yourself if you enjoy that level of, or if you enjoy that league then I mean you, you know you're going to see Bayern all the time like it, it's I wouldn't consider myself a Bayern fan exactly so much as just I, I'm a fan of the league and therefore you know you're going to anytime you watch anything on Fox Sports for uh, regarding the Bundesliga it's probably going to be a Bayern match so you're going to get used to those teams to that team and those players very quickly but I mean that's at, at the heart of it I wanted to write about them number one because they are immensely successful ridiculously successful And they're only growing more successful overall. I mean, we all kind of, you know, we talk about like the, you know, it's, it's a foregone conclusion that they're going to win the league. It is now, but even like before the last five, six years, they were only winning about every other title or every third title. They were always good, but they weren't this good for this long. And so, uh, the way they built up their infrastructure was really interesting to me. And I went, I got to go over there and write about kind of the, the how to buy I think is what we called it. Yeah. Um, and and so it, it was really, um, it, it was in that sense. It was just it was it was a look at like how they, the the breaks they got, the way they kind of built and reinforced their infrastructure, and the way
0: they become the team of an entire region, and all these other things. Yeah. Do you do you follow MLS? I, I mean, are you a supporting FC supporter or?
1: I, I feel like I should more than I do. Like I, I kind of I generally know who is good and who isn't, but I've never been to an MLS game.
0: Okay. Uh, yeah, I was just curious. I, I, and I, I guess i should have asked this before um are you do you you follow baseball are you a cardinals or royals fan i i god th- no
1: um, I mean, to the extent that I follow baseball, it's more, I, mean, I always like the stats more than the actual sport. Okay. Uh, I grew up, a, I grew up a pirates fan because I loved the bonds, Benny events, like outfield. Um, <laughs> yeah. And that, 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 was that, just incredible. To, that just proceeded to break my heart repeatedly, just like being a Blazers fan did just like being a Mizzou fan did just like being a Miami dolphins fan for a while did. So really, um, like I, there, I have no reason to actually like sports is what it comes down to.
0: Okay. Well, I assume you weren't a Cardinals fan because you don't, no. talk, you don't talk about it. Incessantly. God, no! You don't talk about it incessantly. So, um, yeah. no, exactly. I,
1: I don't talk about how great a fan I am. No.
0: Yes, and that's that's a that's a, a league. That's a dig at the at the like. The least, the, the least of that, the least of that, at Leach because he is, he is. You, I'm always on him about the best fans in baseball, and he, he. That's the one thing he never gets defensive about anything. That's the one thing he gets defensive about, which is oh. interesting.
1: I had a, I had a, one of the the guy who lived next to me in the dorms my freshman year in Mizzou went on at length about how you know this was uh, you know '97 I guess about how <laughs> yeah uh, if. Like St. Louis deserves an NBA team. And if they got an NBA team, they would have no choice to win because that's what the fans deserve. Oh, like and he, like he, he was, this was like a 25 minute spiel. Uh, when we were trying to do anything else, but talk about this, but he just, he was insistent. And like, he almost had a PowerPoint presentation about it. Uh, he just went on, uh, like, uh, so the character caricatures are there. I, I, I got to witness the 99 Rams run where suddenly everybody who was making fun of the team and, and going out of the way, not to talk about the Rams was a lifelong Rams fan. I got to witness all of that. It is a very, very bandwagony place. And, uh, there's just no way around it. Sorry.
0: Well, no, he, he he will freely admit that. So, so you, you you brought up being a Missouri fan, and I will admit the first time I read your work and kind of interesting work was Iraqi Nation when I lived in Illinois. Uh, I mentioned I've, I almost ended up in in Columbia, Missouri for a job, and I you know I am low key. Um, I'm as excited about Missouri being in the SEC as I am any addition we've had, and, and part of that is I'm. You're the one. You're the one. Well, I, I mean, here's the thing. I, I as I said before, it's a it's a fun trip. Uh, the fans are great. They're knowledgeable. Columbia's a great town. I'm glad we finally have a decent Columbia in the conference. Um, and you know, it's I don't know. I just it's I I can I think I can make some of the arguments. Um, you know why it does or does not fit, but and I will, I will admit, I was actually there like the three weeks where it looked like the very best landing place for Missouri was going to be the Mountain West. Uh, I I literally was sitting in Shakespeare having a conversation with somebody in Shakespeare's having a conversation with somebody about that very thing. I was like, no, I don't, that doesn't seem you can't, you, that can't be a thing. The team that played literally was it like two plays from the national championship seven years ago. It was going to be in the mountain West. Now that didn't make sense to me. Um, and I'm very happy for Missouri. It's not, um, it doesn't, I I'm, I'm all for giving South Carolina back to the ACC or whomever before, before Missouri. So, um,
1: it's good. It's a good college town. I will say that. Like I've been to enough college towns to realize, like once you see others, you realize like everything kind of has the same, well, not everywhere, but I mean, a lot of college towns have kind of the same things. You've got the go-to pizza spot, the go-to cheap bars, the go-to better bars, the go-to burger and sandwich places and all that. And, and so I'm not going to pretend, like columbia is better than athens for example or better than a lot of other college towns but it's a good college town and and you can enjoy yourself here
0: yeah i, I think that's right and again i'm just trying to stay out of uh pre-season happy or otherwise talk since georgia does play missouri every year i'd be curious kind of what your take is what's going to happen with luke what's going to happen with missouri this year and i'm not asking for predictions i'm just talking big picture stuff
1: I'm I'm very curious myself, and I apologize. <laughs> because, I, said Luke, um, I
0: said Luke. I was thinking Odom.
1: <laughs> oh, I thought
0: you were going. I thought you were going for Locke. Um, oh no, I'm but, I'm impressed by Locke. I think I think Drew is going to be if he can get anybody to block for him and throw the can throw the ball to, they're going to look pretty good.
1: Well, I mean, I think what's interesting about this year's team to me, the thing I'm most curious about, obviously, is the change in offensive coordinator. Not only a change in offensive coordinator, but. Really, I mean, leaving all the Derek Dooley jokes at the door, and I know it's really, really easy to have Derek Dooley jokes. The bottom line here is that Missouri's trying to take what they did last year, which was a few very, 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 very good things um, with a lot of kind of empty holes. Um, take what they did last year and build on top of it. And, and again, if you take the duly name out of it, you're basically trying to add pro style concepts to uh, a spread offense. You're trying to build in the ability to slow down that offense sometimes, uh, but then still kind of pick it up. We saw in the spring game, they basically, they looked, you know, drew lock didn't play a ton. They looked okay when they were going at a normal pace. And then one drive, they decided to go tempo and they looked amazing. So they still have that card to play but they're basically just trying to build like more gears into the tempo, you know, uh, the levels of tempo. They're trying to build more reads into uh, what Locke sees before the snap and after the snap, more routes for the receivers. They're just trying to make it more, you know, it's not going to be a crazy complex Jimbo Fisher offense. I don't think, but they're just trying to take it a a step further. And in theory, that can mean really weird things in 2019 when you've got a new quarterback and some new receivers and all that. but this year if you're ever going to make Things more complex having it where you've got A senior quarterback where you've got a really 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 experienced offensive line Where you've got a manual hall who's been around a long Time uh, where you've got a good Tight end um, who this uh, was one of the best red zone threats in the country last year. Like when you've got all these pieces and a really experienced offense, now's the time to try it. You know, uh, we'll see, we'll see what happens when they, when they, when they kind of turn over the personnel, but it seems like a pretty good time to try it if you want to try it. So we'll see it. it ob- the, uh, the concerns are obvious, you know, but number one, I mean, Julie doesn't, He's never been an offensive coordinator, so we can't say he, he's been bad as an offensive coordinator. Uh, but obviously, last time he was in the SEC, you know, jokes were made. But then also, anytime you, just the general shift of, we're going to go from spread to pro style, whatever that actually means, you're running the risk of forgetting the things you were good at. And and so we'll see how they balance that.
0: Yeah, and I won't I won't ask you to talk about Derek anymore because I, I do have to see Miss Barbara at, at church sometimes. So... It is. Uh, I'll just be careful about that. No,
1: and, and, and I mean, again, like he was for all of his problems that everybody had with him. It was, it was, how he was, how he head coached a team. He's not a head coach. He just has to be the head coach of the offense. And we'll see if he's better at that.
0: Right. And that's, that's probably the biggest takeaway because I, I had somebody make a comment to me about that. And was like, you know, we don't, we don't really know yet how that's going to turn out i mean it's possible that he is actually really cuz he's a smart guy i mean he he is there's no doubt he's a smart guy it's just he was not he yeah. just – I mean, just his, his – in the same way – and we could, we could have a whole different conversation about Jones but the whole – the same way his stick didn't work in Knoxville, the Jones didn't. It didn't work for Derek either. So um, I think we could also discuss the recruiting and have a very yeah. good conversation about that too. So um, yeah. so one last, last thing I want to talk about, I've, I've long been fascinated by the idea of relegation to college football and your pod idea. Yeah. <laughs> um, we all know it's never going to happen because uh, for the same reason that you know athletes are amateurs and uh, in uh, any number of reasons um, but you know just briefly lay out your theory for that
1: for, for relegation yes. uh, or for, yes. pod, for relegation or for pods because I, I well, still believe pods could happen
0: oh no pods I think pod, I think you know I think where this is going in 20 years will be there will be uh, I don't know I hate to think of it like a super league or whatever but it's going to be a potted kind of like top yeah. level but the, the relegation part of that is always yeah. interesting okay. that the you know the concept that a uh, kentucky or you know a, a 1993 or four georgia or whatever it would be whenever it was that um i don't know i just blocked all those some of those golf years out but um <laughs> you know that that team could fall out of the quote-unquote sec or whatever right
1: Yeah. So, I mean, we just basically, um, for years now we've been kind of Oh, actually coming to think of it, I need to update it for last year, but we've been kind of running a a long-term simulation of sorts, uh, how relegation would change college football. Uh, if you basically had it, like I, I just set up a, you know, you could do it a million different ways, but I just set it up to where like the power five conferences all have are tied to second tier schools. Uh, you know, what is it? The AAC for the ACC, the big, uh, the conference USA for the big Twelve. Mac for the Big Ten, uh, Mountain West for Pac 12, and Sunbelt for SEC. And so basically the last place team goes down, but t- uh, first place team and that next level goes up. You do that all the way through the NCAA down to Division 2 II or 3, however far you want to take it. Um, and you start simulating. So the really well-run programs like Grand Valley State or something can at least go up to like um, the third level or maybe even the Mac sometimes. The programs that have no business being a top tier program, but just had the right friends 75 years ago. I feel bad saying this, this because they're pretty decent right now, but wake forest way. I mean, wake forest has a tiny alumni base and, and really has not, has only a few times ever shown themselves to be power five capable, or at least like made like a capable of something really good in the power five. Uh, but here they are because they had the right friends in the Southern conference way back when all, all of this basically comes back to the idea of making college football more merit-based uh, because it's not, it's, it's hilariously not uh, even the, even the premier league, which is so m- based on the power teams and and money and all that stuff uh, at the top. It is, is about the most top heavy sport in, in existence beyond college football. Uh, even they have the, like, if you're not one of those six programs, there are about 60 teams that at any given year could go up to the premier league or fall back down uh, based on how well, the, how, how well run they are. Uh, there is none of that. Boise state could have continued their, you know, 08 to 11 was when they were at their peak. They could have continued that. They could have kept Chris Peterson forever and, and put top 15 products on the field uh, in perpetuity, and they would have still been in the Mountain West. Their only option was to go to the Big East, which was stupid in a lot of different ways, and, and they realized it was stupid and didn't do it. But they're never going to get a Pac-12 invitation, no matter how good they are. But no matter how bad Oregon State is, Oregon State's going to stay in the Pac-12 forever. And so it's really frustrating in that regard. Uh, it's, you're not going to make things like salary cap level parity ever but you could at least make it more merit-based so that the really well-run programs can play in bigger games and get bigger teams to their stadium and get make more money for being good at what they do and all these things and it's just not there
0: i would love it i, I mean i i get why we have uh austin p middle tennessee state and maybe maine umass umass coming here this year um but i hate it uh, as a as a consumer i just hate it and i would rather literally would rather travel to Ann Arbor or to Champaign or to or, or you know Eugene I, it just it would right. be much more interesting to me if we were to be in a position where and then also the regular season matters right uh, in a way that it, maybe it doesn't now because you know teams are you know Vanderbilt Vanderbilt's the SEC you know whipping horse mm-hmm. but, you know Vanderbilt gets the six wins well they got almost three built-in wins right now you know, there, and I certainly understand why you build those wins in. It's just, it just make a much more interesting season and, and it just make it more interesting, I guess.
1: So well, and just like the low key, like, we, we do think of this uh, game a lot in terms of its fans and the low-key excitement and, and terror uh, involved and in like the, the like late in the year in, in any given year in the Premier League like Manchester City ran away with it this year yeah. so there was still some drama about who was going to make the Champions League and all that but a lot of times the biggest drama is I was on the bottom yeah yeah. Who's going to avoid getting sent down. And, uh, like I, we, we ended up, this all started with, I think it was 2012 when that amazing final Sunday of premier league play happened where Manchester city needed to beat QPR, uh, to win the league. QPR needed to maybe needed to win, to stay up, to avoid getting relegated and going from a revenue of a hundred million dollars to like 3 million or whatever that difference is between the first and second levels, um, or pounds, excuse me, not dollars. You had all, but you had all these different things going, going on for different reasons and it meant something to so many more people and it was just an amazing I mean QPR ended up blowing like giving up two goals in in, in uh, extra time they ended up staying up anyway because of another result but they didn't know it they thought they had to draw or win to survive and they didn't meanwhile City won their title with two late goals it was just amazing in 38 different ways and that was when like Jason Spencer and I were all on G chat going oh my god we need to write about this for college football and then and then my nerd brain took over and made it way more complicated than it needed to be, but I enjoyed it at least. <laughs>
0: that's, that's probably the right way to put it. So, well, Bill, I really appreciate you taking the time, uh, taking the time to talk with me. It's uh, as always, I enjoy your work. I enjoy your very, uh, uh, it's just, there are a lot of places out there to consume information about college football. And I try it just because, you know, I have three kids and um, <laughs> I, I, I just try to consume I try to consume information in places that I feel like I'm getting more than either someone yelling about something or, or whatever. So uh, I do appreciate your approach and you're just like S and people, guys, listen, you need to read S and P plus. You need to keep up with that through the season. Um, you know, for example, last year, Georgia, you had uh, the S and P plus had Georgia at the beginning of the season, what in the, Teens, I think. Yeah. Oh, I thought it was. I thought it was like in the twenties. I was thinking, but either way, it, it,
1: maybe, maybe. I think it was. I was thinking like sixteenth or eighteenth, but it could have been like twenty or twenty-two. But yeah, in that range.
0: Right, and you know, and I think that was a fair assessment of what it looked like to what it was going to be, and you know, frankly, uh, I, th- I think the. S and P Plus, if followed almost all the way through the season, as Georgia progressively played better, Georgia progressively moved up because they had progressively good results against, as particularly against good teams. So, um, that's the thing about it that I really like is you just you just bring an approach to it that is not just valuable. Um, uh, it's clear you know football, so take that Dana Horgeson. Um, so and, right. yeah. <laughs> So you can uh, guys you can you can uh, follow Bill. Uh, on twitter sbn underscore bill c uh, he, his work as a football study hall is at rock M nation uh his uh current countdown um of the conferences can be found at sb nation's college football main page and of course you can always listen to him uh at papn one of the best podcast names out there podcast ain't played nobody uh with stephen godfrey uh bill thank you so much for taking the time thank you Okay, guys, how cool was that? Um, Bill, it's such a great interview and so much fun to talk with him. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, you can follow Bill at SBN underscore Bill C. You can also buy his book, The 50 Greatest College Football Times of All Time. There's an asterisk in there. The reason is he finds them to be the most interesting college football teams of all time, not necessarily what he thinks are the best. In our 1980 Georgia Bulldog team is featured in a the chapter there. Uh, you can read his work at Football Study Hall, Rock M Nation. SB Nation College Football Blog. Uh, you can also listen to him on PAPN uh, with Stephen Godfrey, which is, I think, one of the best college football podcasts out there. Uh, please go read, rate, and review us. You can follow me at Tyler Dogden. You can also follow the podcast at WSS, WSLS Podcast on Twitter. And go check out our website, www.wslspodcast.com. Uh, currently, there's a great picture of my wife and I with the scoreboard from the Rose Bowl, taken immediately after Sony Michelle scores the touchdown to go ahead and win and send us back to Atlanta. Uh, guys, we'll see you around campus and go dogs.